You're listening to the Bethel University Chapel Podcast, recorded from the Everstwar Chapel Fine Arts Center in Mishawaka, Indiana. Thanks for listening. Good morning. It is an incredible honor and privilege to be here with you all this morning. I want to thank Robert Ortiz and the Spiritual Life team for inviting me to come and share the word with you all. In the Latino, Latina church, there's a great tradition called the testimonio, the testimony. Now I'm a preacher and I came to preach the word, but also throughout this message, interspersed in the message, is a sliver, a part of my own testimony. The ways that the Lord has shaped me, the ways that he has formed me to be who I am today. And so, would you pray with me this morning as we ask God for help as he uh, speaks to us afresh? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you are with us. Lord, we need a word from you this morning. Would you speak to us? Would you use me as your servant? Help me, O God, I pray, to be used by you to speak a word of comfort, a word of challenge, whatever you might want to say to us as a community this morning. We thank you, Lord, and we love you, and we pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Forgiveness. It's an interesting word, isn't it? It's a Christian word, of course. We all know what it means, or at least we think we know what it means. Forgiving, though, is harder than it seems. Forgiveness is nice in the abstract, but when it's right in front of me, I don't think it's that nice at all. C.S. Lewis put it this way, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. Maria was once an important faithful member of the church. She used to attend every meeting, was involved in several meetings, and was there to greet you with a smile every Sunday morning. But then she stopped coming. Her adult children still attend the church, and they say their mother is in good health, but she refuses to come. What happened? Well, she got into a disagreement with one of the other leading women in the church. She was in the right. But the other woman said what she said, and Maria is angry. That was five years ago. She has no intention of coming back. She was in the right. And sometimes it's hard to forgive when you're in the right. Jonathan tries his best to avoid his older brother Keith. They see each other at all the major holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas. They say hello to one another and make a few jokes here and there, but he's cold toward his brother. Everyone sees it. Even Keith noticed and tried to call him the last time they were together. But Jonathan won't answer the phone. And when he does, he rushes off the phone saying, I'm too busy, I'll call you back later. He never calls back. What happened? Well, it turns out Jonathan has been angry with his brother for a long time. When they were younger, Keith, the older brother, picked on Jonathan. 
He made him feel small, and he found humor in things Jonathan didn't find funny. So now, as an adult, Jonathan is angry and bitter. His brother did him wrong. And sometimes it's hard to forgive when you've been wronged. Do you find it easy to forgive? I know I don't. Forgiveness is hard and unpleasant when it's right in front of us. And yet, sitting here at Bethel University, you and I know that we are supposed to forgive. I'm not the first preacher to tell you that, I'm sure. And I won't be the last. In fact, it was something, a message, that Jesus liked to tell his disciples. And so on one of those occasions, Jesus is talking to his disciples about the subject of forgiveness. If you have the Bible with me, would you meet me there in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, verse 21. Matthew 18, verse 21. If you've got it, say, I got it. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how many times shall my brother sin against me and I still forgive him? Jesus had been teaching his disciples on a number of things, and here we pick up in the middle of the teaching, and something isn't sitting right with Peter. He was listening when Jesus told them to forgive one another. But Peter knew what you and I know, that forgiveness is hard when it's right in front of us. And so Peter responds, look, Jesus, how often am I supposed to forgive my brother? Seven times? You got to hand it to Peter. At least he's honest. So what are you telling me, Jesus? I'm supposed to give people a free pass? Wrong me once, shame on you. Wrong me seven times, shame on me, right? I don't know if Peter had a specific person in mind that morning. Maybe he and his wife had it out or something, or maybe he was thinking back to the time when he was a fisherman, and he and that other fisherman had that beef that wasn't settled. But Peter is saying what you and I often think. How many times am I supposed to forgive Jesus? And Jesus responds in an uncomfortable way. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. I want to think about what Peter asked here because it's helpful for me. Before I hear Jesus' response, because I like to think in the math of seven times, up to seven times, Jesus How often am I supposed to forgive when I myself have been wronged? When I was a young boy, my father was unfaithful. He chose the other woman and left our home. Because he left, before he left, he was an active father. He was attentive. He went to all of our baseball games, and then he wasn't there. He made all kinds of promises. I'll pick you up after school. We can go get that helado de coco that you like. I'll come by this weekend and we can go to that park you were telling me about. 
but he didn't keep any of those promises. After a few years, he moved back to the Dominican Republic, and his, fail, his failed promises stung even more. And then, when I was 15 years old, growing in the Lord, the Lord moved me to forgive my father. And I even called him up to tell him. I said, Jesus told me to forgive you. But he didn't change. He still forgot birthdays. He still made promises to come and visit, but he didn't keep those promises either. And just last year, my five-year-old son looked up at me and asked, Papi, where's your papi? And it stung all over again. So I appreciate Peter's question. Lord, how often am I to forgive my father? Up to seven times? But Jesus tells Peter, and you and I, 70 times seven. Now, before those of you who are mathematically inclined do the math, Jesus isn't working in arithmetic here. Jesus is trying to convey something even more important. Jesus is telling you and I about his way the way of Jesus, the way of the cross. He says, your forgiveness is to have no end. Our forgiveness, follower of Jesus, is to be a forgiveness without end. Maybe Peter gave the same reaction that some of us in the middle of it would give. So Jesus, realizing that Peter wasn't getting it, decides to tell him a story, a parable. If you read the Gospels, you know that this was one of Jesus' favorite ways to teach. But many of us are so familiar with these parables that we don't pay any attention to them. So I want you to do something that I would never tell my preaching students to do. I want you to close your Bibles. That's right. I want you to close your Bibles, turn off your phones. My Bible's so heavy that this thing can't hold on to it. But I want you to close the Bible. And I want, you to, I want to tell you the story that Jesus tells his disciples. There they were, Jesus, Peter, and the rest of his followers, and Jesus told them this story so that they might understand that our forgiveness is a forgiveness without end. There was once a man who had fallen into significant financial crisis. He had what even Dave Ramsey would call an insurmountable, an impossible amount of debt. No amount of snowballs and baby steps was going to get this poor man out of trouble. He owed more than a lifetime of debt. He had seen better financial days. There was once a time when he was doing well. His overtime was being approved. Bonuses were coming in the mail. He was even able to invest a little bit in a small real estate property, and that was growing and growing. He was doing very well. But then it all came crashing down. The economy took a turn. His investments were all in the red. He was losing money. And to make matters worse, when he was doing well for himself, he was able to give out a small loan. How much, you might say? I'd say it was about $10,000. Not a big deal for some people, but for others, that's a good amount of money. 
He gave out this loan to this friend who was having some financial crisis of his own, but he was doing so well, he said to his friend, listen, follow my example. Let me give you this small loan. You'll, you'll, be, you'll be good soon. You'll pay it off, and everything will be great. But after this financial turn, he didn't have anything. And he did what most of us do when we are struggling financially. He took on more debt and more debt and more debt until he was in over his head. He was drowning. He could not repay any of it. Since this is Hispanic Heritage Month and you've invited a New York City-born Dominican, let me tell you how Dominicans in the Bronx would say it. Ese tipo estaba en olla. That man was broke. He had nothing. He was out of luck and out of cash. His financial troubles had turned into a great depression. To make matters worse, that coworker that he had given out that loan to had stopped making payments on the loan. Now, don't be mistaken, $10,000 would not have amounted to much help for this man, considering the lifetime of debt that he had accumulated. But right is right. Just is just. And he was owed this money. So one day, he called his coworker and told him the cold, hard truth. I need my money. You need to pay me what you owe me. The coworker on the other line says, I don't have it. What do you mean you don't have it? I don't have your money. You don't have your money. Let's see about that. He goes over and sees the coworker and he grabs him by the collar and then his hands grab him by the throat and he says, pay me what you owe me. He's choking the man. I wish he wouldn't have gone that far. He choked the man. But if we think about it, was he in the wrong? Never mind the choking part, but the demanding what was owed to him. Was he in the wrong? He was owed the money, wasn't he? It was his by rights, wasn't it? Oh, oh, you, you want him to forgive him the money? That's easy for you to say. It's not your money. It's easy for you to think about forgiveness when it's not right in front of you, when it doesn't cost you anything. And yet, this isn't where the story begins, is it? Some of you might recall that the story actually begins much earlier. Go ahead and open up your Bibles once again to Matthew 18. Let's read to see what happens in this story. Matthew 18, verse 23. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his slaves. And when he had begun to settle them, one of them who owed 10,000 talents, how much? That's a lifetime of debt, was brought before him. But since he did not have the means to repay his debt, his master commanded that he be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had so that repayment might be made. It would cost him his life and his family their life. So the slave fell to the ground pleading, have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. 
And the master of that slave felt what? Compassion. And he released him and forgave him that debt. This king, this master, was well within his rights to demand payment and to send this person into slavery. But he speaks a language from another world. He speaks a language that none of us understand. Because forgiveness comes to us from another world. It is an entirely foreign language from a faraway country. The words, I forgive you, don't come naturally. They have to be translated because we only speak the language of a tooth for a tooth. We only speak the language of anger and bitterness and getting even. We can only understand the language of forgiveness when it has first been translated for us. When the words, I forgive you, have been spoken to us, then we can begin to understand this foreign language. And this king, this master, has compassion and speaks that language from another world. And so you would imagine that having heard these words, having, having heard this new language, our man would have walked out of the king's palace with a pep in his step, dancing as he walked out of that palace, free of the burden of that lifetime of debt. But you know the story, he sees that coworker who owes him the $10,000. And rather than saying, it's a new year, it's a year of jubilee, you're free, we're all free, he demands repayment. So what happens? We're told that other slaves hear, or other servants hear, what's taking place. And so they tell the king, and the king says, how dare you? Should you not have also said to your fellow servant, be free? And he's immediately sent to prison. And Jesus says, my heavenly father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from his heart. What is $10,000 when you have been forgiven a lifetime and a half of debt? What is an unkind word or even a wound to your soul when you have been forgiven for eternity? Jesus says your forgiveness is to be without end. Now some of you may hear that this morning and still be a little bit concerned. Because I know many of you have experienced hurts and wounds that are deeper than words can express. Some of you are even in the middle of it right now. Day after day being hurt with words and even more. And your heart is angry and bitter. And I want to say to you this morning that with the help of our Lord and Savior, you can forgive. You can say these foreign words, I forgive you. Now, don't hear me wrong this morning. That doesn't mean that you stay in abusive relationships or go on in relationships without any boundaries. But the way of Jesus, the way of the cross, lays down anger and bitterness and says, I forgive you and I hand you over to the Lord. May he do with you what he will do. But as for my own heart, I forgive you. When I was in college, my mother's faith started to sound different. 
We had grown up going to Catholic Mass out of obligation and ritual. And then we moved out of New York City to Michigan, to West Michigan. And there we started attending a small Christian Reformed Spanish church. And I noticed my mother's faith started to change over the years. And then when I came home from college, I noticed that she had a Bible next to her bedside table. And one evening, I went in to ask for a bendición, as many of us Latinos do. You ask for a blessing from your parent as you say goodnight. And I went in that night, and as I was speaking to my mother, she turns to me and she says, you know, we need to pray for your father. We need to pray for your father. Now, my mother tried her best not to say an ill word about my father, but every once in a while they slipped out. But she had never asked me to pray for him. She looked at me and she said, pray for your father because he's lost and he's hurting and he needs the Lord. What happened? She forgave him and she was inviting me to forgive him too. Even though I had long ago forgiven him, I needed to learn to forgive him each and every day as my mother had learned too. Forgiveness is like a foreign language. It needs to be translated before you and I can learn to speak it. And you and I have had it translated for us. Do you see him there on the cross translating it for you? They took our Savior. They beat him. They spit on him. They put that rugged cross on his back until he could walk no more. They put nails in his hands and feet. And as he was there on that cross, what words did he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus could have said, Father, forgive them, for they speak not the language that we speak. That language of forgiveness. If you're having a hard time this morning forgiving that person that you need to forgive, look at the cross. See him there. Remember how he forgave you. And then possibly you might be able to extend that forgiveness. But that's not the end of the story, is it? Because we know on that third day, or that Sunday morning, when those faithful women, women came to the tomb to see a dead teacher, they found a resurrected Savior. He is risen. And because he is risen, he has left us with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us gives us all that we need to live as faithful followers of Jesus. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost that serves to us as a Rosetta Stone to translate for us the life of Jesus so that we can become the men and women that we have been called to be. The way of Jesus that tells us, forgive without end, because I have forgiven you. And we can do it, saints. We can do it with the help of the Spirit, as we take up our own crosses, and we lay them down before our Lord and Savior. Let's pray. 
Lord, we thank you that you have done it for us. We thank you that you have forgiven us. We thank you that you have loved us when we were not deserving of it. Lord, I pray that you would help us to forgive. I pray that you would help me to forgive when you've called me to forgive. We thank you and we love you and we pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Bethel University Chapel podcast. Subscribe to the podcast and get more information at chapel.betheluniversity.edu or check us out on the iTunes store by searching for Bethel University Chapel.